Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now, words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. We're happy to have Father John Ricardo, one of my favorite preachers and teachers, and I want you to know him too. Father John, welcome. Thanks. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know one of the things that you've been putting a lot of emphasis on is what it means to be a disciple, you know. And, and, and Now, this, this is really interesting because that's kind of a new word for us Catholics. You know, we, when we talk about the disciples, we say, oh, those are the people in the Bible, you know. Right. I mean, those are the people who followed Jesus when he was alive, like, like. How does that relate to me? Yeah, I'm just a Catholic. Yeah, I'm a Catholic. What's the, what's the you know what's this disciple stuff? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a radical concept, and I mean that in the true sense of radical. It's deep. It's very rooted. In fact, um, myself and the other priests who were with me, well, we we spent the whole season of Lent just on on one passage in the Bible, um, just Jesus's call in Mark eight to those who would be disciples um, to really try to break open what it is uh, that the Lord is asking of us. Can we go there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's yeah. Mark chapter 8. Uh, if you're home, you get your Bible, open it up. If not, uh, pick it up soon. <laughs> so it's, um, this is right after Jesus uh, speaks for the first time candidly about his impending betrayal and death and resurrection. And then Jesus's uh, words to Peter. Uh, and then he begins to teach all of his disciples. He says, he began to teach them, the Son of God must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, be killed, and after three days rise again. And then he says to the whole crowd, this is Mark 8, 34, and he called to him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, this is Jesus to us. Mm -hmm. This is to everybody who's listening. This is to the whole world. If, huge word, <laughs> if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Well, we, we spent the whole season of Lent just on those words. Wow. Starting with if. Wow. The only way to become a disciple is through conversion. You can't become a disciple by birth. You can't become Catholic by birth. Certainly baptism is a sacrament. The Spirit begins to dwell in me, but I have to respond to it. And it is an if. Um, certain passages in the New Testament, it even looks like Jesus is trying to discourage me from following him. This is going to be hard, mm -hmm. you know, but just like a coach at the beginning of a practice yeah. says, hey, I'm going to lay out in front of you what it is we're going to have to do, yeah. but I want to show you the goal too. So if you want to be a part of this team, this is what you got to do, but this is what we can achieve. Right. We're going to win. Yeah, we can win. And, yeah. And, and it's not here. We can win. It's we will win. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. actually, yeah. it's Everybody already won. This team will win. Right. Yeah. He already won. So. Yeah. But it's going to be work. Yeah. And, and, and the work starts with, if he would come after me, let him deny himself. Hmm. So now I used to read that all the time and I thought, okay, so I gotta, I'm going to be a Catholic. That means, uh, well, we're going to fast during Lent. Uh, got to do something on Fridays to call to mind the passion. Uh, you know, got to do these kind of penitential exercises. But that's, that's really not what that means. You know, M Mary Healy, great. Uh, scripture scholar who teaches here at the seminary in Detroit in her commentary on the gospel of Mark, which is very worth getting if you don't have, talks about how what the Lord's saying here is um, 
It's more like signing over the rights of my life. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about oh, is that fasting all, is that all there is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that all? So it's like saying, I, John Ricardo, here do sign over the ownership of my life to Jesus. Well. Well, now I understand why he says if. Yeah. Because I'm not so sure I want to do that. Yeah. What, what's in this for me? Yeah. Uh, well, eternal glory, peace, joy, happiness, fulfillment. There's a lot in this for me. But this is a drastic step. This is not just, you're going to have to come to church on Sunday, every Sunday, you know, not yeah. a few Sundays. This is my whole life has to have a new focal point. Yeah. Like I need to really find out what Jesus wants about family life. I need to find out what Jesus wants about my job situation. I need to find out what Jesus thinks about the relationships I'm in and how to handle them. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, what happened when you started teaching about this? Because I'm sure that there's probably a lot of people there that this was new for. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, like a lot of Catholics, I mean, let's, you know, we don't think like that. Yeah, isn't it enough just for me to show up? Yeah. You know? Uh, I'm trying to do a good job and, you know, I'm a good guy and I'm not killing anybody. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm giving some money to the church. and Right, I gave 50 bucks last year and, and we're here three out of four weekends. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, what more know? could you ask of us? Well, that's not quite denying myself. So, I mean, the response was, I, th I think especially for men, the response, and I'm, I say that only because... um I'm a man and I understand how men think. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm not a woman. I don't understand how my sisters think. Um, but guys respond really strongly to integrity. So the Lord's asking something of me. And if I tell him yes, well, then it's important for me to understand what the yes was to. Mm -hmm. And then I want to keep my word. Mm -hmm. And I want to keep my word. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I get frustrated with myself. And I think guys get frustrated with themselves all the time when I know I just haven't been faithful to what I said. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's loving and honoring my wife or my own commitments to my life as a priest, I'm, I want to be faithful. So mm -hmm. here's the challenge, guys. Are you up for it? And and men and women both, um, I think over the course of a series of weeks, as they heard this, um, realized, first of all, this is sober. That was the first response. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a lot more than I often understood. Yeah. Um, I think we all used uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's great line in the cost of discipleship. You know, when Jesus bids a man come and follow me, he bids him come and die. Mm. But that's the Christian paradox. Because that's, that's where Jesus goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's death to self. Yeah. But then he accepted the, the suffering of the cross for the joy that lay before him. So right. we got to follow Jesus to death in order to get to the joy. Yeah. Because we're not masochists. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not in this not for pain. Right, right, right. You know, I, I die... Precisely so I can have life. Yeah. You know, so the whole so Christian the life is just paradoxes. You know, can, can be broken and there are true self be reborn through death. Yeah. So I, I think the response to that was sobered, um, challenged. Yeah. And then as they begin to, to pray and to think, to use their minds and say, okay, so what's in this for me? Um, there was a, a, a rather fervent response. Wow. wow. I mean, I, I get notes on my windshield, you know, unsigned, just saying, um, I'm beginning to get this now. Mm. I thought, praise God. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's just how it was in the Bible, wasn't it? The disciples were beginning to get it. Right. You know, they didn't really, when Jesus started preaching and teaching about this, they were probably just like the people in your pews. I mean, like, really, Lord? I mean, I mean, death, you know, right. you know and what are we going to get out of this? And no, no, you, you're not supposed to die. You know, no, no, we're, we're going to take over the city. We're going to be rulers. You know, we're going to kick out the Romans. Right. You know? Yeah. This is another hard saying. Yeah. 
you know, people, people balk about different teachings of the church. This is the one I'm balking on. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to go to things I want to be a cafeteria Catholic about, yeah. I'm going right here. Pick up my cross. <laughs> we're starting right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to die. I don't want to yeah. suffer. Yeah. I don't like pain. Yeah. yeah. But again, we don't do this for the sake of the pain. We do this because I want to be united to the Lord. Yeah. Confident that being united to him, I'm going to come to experience true joy, the fullness of life, the happiness that God has yeah. created me for. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this is a challenge to me. I, I have to learn to think entirely new. Yeah. Now, it sounds like some people, as they heard this, were were approaching closer to saying, "Yeah, I, I do want. I do want this. I, I do want to give my life fully to the Lord. I. It's not. It's not an if for me right now. I've. I. I, I want to do it." What, what, how, how do you help them do it? How, how do, what kind of steps can they take practically? To- we know they're helping each other. Uh-huh. So quick story. So yeah. parish mission, we begin with little testimonies from people. So there, our lights are low or in the church, maybe a thousand people in the church. And we just have people share something about what the Lord's doing in their life. So a woman shares uh, sometime in the past about how a uh, dear friendly family member had passed away. She didn't really have much faith, this woman who's sharing. Got her to really think about the life. What am I doing with my life? What's death? How do I make sense out of all this? Came into RCIA. Comes to RCIA. Her and her husband go through a radical conversion. Mm -hmm. They had been contracepting. They stopped. She's telling all this in the parish mission. Mm -hmm. Says this is a young couple in their 40s. They're living in a dream house. They sold the house. They wanted to simplify Hmm. So they share all that God has done in their life. Several wow. months later, another friend of mine starts to say, uh, we're going to sell our house. We're going to downsize. We're really inspired. Hmm. We're going to do this too. So he calls a realtor, unknowing that the person that he called was the husband of the woman who gave the testimony oh. at church. So he says, you know, we're, uh, we're looking to get out of our house. We want to get a smaller house in this particular neighborhood. And the, uh, the realtor says, okay, so children grown? He says, no, actually, um, we have uh, about eight kids and half of them are adopted. Really? This, this is not a, a downsize home? Yeah, I, I, I know. Huh. Well, can I ask why you're doing this? Well, you're going to think it's kind of crazy. No, really, why are you doing this? He <laughs> yeah. says, well, my wife went to this mission at our church. Wow. And at the mission, a woman shared about how God had broken into their life and how they'd simplified their lives and sold their home and... She just had so much joy that we wanted to imitate it. Wow. The guy on the phone says, that's my wife. Wow. So how is this happening? It's happening by laymen and women hmm. being faithful to the lay vocation yeah. of evangelizing and sanctifying the world. Wow. Not, not simply relying on the guys with collars or the women with veils, yeah. speaking about what Jesus has done in their yeah. lives. But about people yeah. in the streets, yeah. speaking about the difference that Jesus made in their lives, that's changing lives. Yeah, well, that's tremendous, Father John. And, you know, I, I think there's such a power in testimony. And, and, and sometimes when I'm giving talks to priests or whatever, uh, I'll say, you know, try to try to find some way of lay people in your parish who are experiencing the Lord working in their life 
talk about it so other people can hear about it, so other people know that this is possible, that Jesus actually is doing stuff in people's lives, because Mass on Sunday, you just don't know whether anything's happening in anybody's life. You don't know if it can happen. You don't know what's going on. And I said, maybe even after Mass, you know, like like for a little short five-minute testimony, a three-minute testimony, just people kind of sharing, like, what the Lord's doing for them, or how they're coming to a deeper relation with them, or how the Lord healed them, or whatever. And you know, certainly in connection with the parish mission. But, you know, I really feel like that's one of the missing things right now in, in the effectiveness of, of the faith spreading, you know, people who are being touched by the Lord, being able to have an opportunity to to share it in a way that others can hear about it and open up to possibilities for themselves. Yeah. What changed uh, the people in Samaria? Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman going back yeah. telling yeah. what Jesus had done yeah. in her life. It wasn't, yeah. you know, point one, point two, point three. Yeah. you should believe this. Yeah. It was the testimony of this woman's yeah. life that was changed. And you're you're speaking on this often. I take to heart the the challenge that you give to us, you know, but our work as priests is really just to equip the saints. Yeah. That would be you, <laughs> laymen yeah. and women, right. for the work of ministry. Right, absolutely. Yeah. You know, my task is easy. Feed you the sacraments, proclaim the gospel, mm-hmm. encourage support. Yeah. And, and especially maybe for some of the people who are watching right now is if the Lord, if the Lord's put on your heart to go talk to somebody, yeah. there's a good chance he's already preparing that person to hear yeah. what it is you want to say. Right, right. You know, just like this guy uh, or this woman shared her story, he was preparing all sorts of people to hear yeah. what was being yeah. said and people acted on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Lord appears to Ananias saying, there's this guy named Saul who's going to come talk to you. You know, I want you to tell him this. Ananias says, you got to be kidding. This guy wants to kill us. Yeah. It's like, relax. Yeah. I'm working in him. Yeah, right. Oftentimes. And, and by the way, he's going to have to suffer. So don't worry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's going to, you know. <laughs> I'll tell him that part. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we can so, sometimes be so focused on ourselves and am I going to have the right words to say but this is the new evangelization. Yeah. This is a huge part of it is yeah. people having the courage to act on the promptings of the Holy Spirit to share with their peers yeah. what God has done in their life. Yeah. That's what's changing yeah. lives. You know, I started doing something new in my classes at the seminary. I started every class with one or two students sharing a little five-minute testimony. And I said, I want you to kind of think about your own relationship with the Lord and, and find a way of talking about it so that unbelievers and people who are non-practicing Catholics could relate to it. So be careful about using Catholic language. You know, when you say, I went to adoration, the person you're speaking to may not know what you're talking about. You know, so find a way of talking about your relationship with God in a way that's, that other people can understand. With the seminarians, they're, they're used to telling their vocation stories, how they became a priest. They said, go back to another level, you know, your relationship with God and find out how to talk about your relationship with God to, to somebody who doesn't believe or somebody who doesn't have the first idea about what a priest is or what the Catholic Church is. And it's been, it's been tremendous. You know, it's been really inspiring for the class and it's been really valuable because a lot of people have never have never done that before, have never really, you know, a lot of really committed people have never become comfortable in talking about their relationship with the Lord. And and that, that testimony thing, I just think is, is, is so, so. Well, important. that is the hard to, or a significant part of discipleship. Huh? If, the, if I have a great friend who transforms my life, yeah. you can bank on the fact I'm going to tell you about him yeah. and what he's done for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you fall in love with somebody, yeah. you don't stay private about it. Yeah. You know, someone says, hey, you look really happy. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You tell them why. Yeah, right, right, so right, 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 right. Th- that, so that's, that's a key part here. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is an interesting line in Novo Millennio Oniente. John Paul II says, 
Catholics who have come into a genuine encounter with Christ cannot keep him for themselves, which raises the embarrassing question about why Catholics are noted the world over for keeping Jesus to themselves. Right. Have I really come into an encounter? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, they, you know, obviously there's a need for renewal there for the new evangelization or re-evangelization, which is what, what you're doing and you're preaching and teaching. We're talking with Father John Ricardo. So if, you, if you're enjoying Father John's uh, insights into the Word of God, into the life of the Catholic Church, uh, you can just go to his website and hear more. Well, Father John, you know, you mentioned Ephesians 4, <clears throat> where it says that the leadership gifts in the church are intended not to do the whole work of the church, but to mainly do the work of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And of course, the saints was what the New Testament called baptized Christians and us, us saints aren't used to being called that. And of course, it doesn't mean that we're canonized saints, but it means that we've been made holy because we belong to Jesus Christ and we're Christians under construction, but there's a there's a holiness there because we belong to God. We, we belong to Christ. You know? Now, I think a lot of Catholics are still kind of thinking, well, I'm just a lay person and it's really the priests and nuns that are supposed to be holy and it's really the priests and nuns who are supposed to be doing the new evangelization. And, you know, I've just got, you know, family concerns and work concerns. And well, what could you say to the average Catholic who just is not thinking that they're called to participate in the mission of Christ or they're called to genuine holiness? So I'll tell you what I'm thinking. It'll sound off the wall. I'm thinking Korea. <laughs> and the reason I'm thinking Korea is um, because the Korean church is absolutely unique in all of Christendom because its founding was lay. Hmm. <laughs> they had no priests. Hmm. Uh, they had no priests. Um, even for the, I, I just was uh, struck by reading the story of some of the Korean martyrs recently. And I was just so inspired and, uh, and uplifted by the lives of these people um, who went in search of the gospel, brought it back. Um, and now look what the land, uh, the, the land just flourished with Christianity for, um, continues to today, you know, maybe not percentage wise, but with fervor. No, even, even percentage wise, it's remarkable in Korea. Like, I think it's something like a third of the population now has become Christian, which is remarkable, you know. Over a very short period of time, yeah, a couple yeah. hundred years. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really, I mean, so. So Korea is kind of a, yeah. you know, the classic study. Yeah. I mean, so there was there was the founding of the gospel without any lay people. But most parishes, um, I think, tend to work backwards. It all starts with me, yeah. you know, with the priest. Yeah. But they, even priests think that way too. They 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 think it's all up to me. I've got to do everything. They don't they don't have that vision of awakening lay people to right who they are in Christ. So, so the most uh, helpful thing for a priest is when people know what their gifts are. Mm-hmm. And then they come forward. So you come to me and say, Father, you know what? I really think the Lord is asking me to do X. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you might come to me after Mass and say, hey, Father, we need a we need some sort of a good group for those of us who've gone through the trauma of divorce. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Why don't you start one? Yeah, yeah. You know, or for those of us who are grieving, you know, to really get a yeah. Catholic understanding of how to grieve with hope. Yeah. Well, great. Why don't you start one? Yeah. Th- those are two things that I've seen happen uh, just in the last yeah. year where I am. Yeah. And the fruit is huge, but it starts with, probably starts with the pastor encouraging the people to say, just numbers wise, this isn't going to work. Right. You know, uh, my case, 8,000 people, um, two priests. Yeah. Do the math. Yeah. So, but if it's 8,000 people all involved, all helping, all attentive to the voice of the spirit, all eager to serve Mm -hmm. and to reach out and to transform Mm -hmm. the culture Mm -hmm. in which we're living... Well, now it's easy. Yeah. 
So it, pray for your priests. Yeah. You know, that we'll, that we'll let go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and pray yeah. that we'll get to know you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll get to know you by you coming forward, sharing with us what the Lord's done in your life. Yeah. And then saying, you know, Father, I'm very competent in this area, in this yeah. area, because we're not yeah. competent in everything. Yeah. Uh, who, yeah. who could be competent in all that needs to right, happen? Right, right. Or who, who could reach all those 8,000 people? I mean, you know a certain circle of them, but you're not at every family reunion or every office and every factory. Uh, that's right. In every neighborhood. I mean, that's where God's people are. And that's why God's people need to realize that they're on mission in their family. They're on mission in their neighborhood. Right. They're on mission in their factory and office. The real conversations and the, the life-changing conversations don't happen in a 10-minute homily. Mm-hmm. They happen in family gatherings, around a coffee table, around a Xerox machine at work. And when we as disciples boldly, charitably, courageously share what Jesus has done yeah. in our life, because I didn't expect you to say that. You're not wearing a collar. Yeah. Yeah. But you just shared something and now I'm going home thinking. Yeah. Well, Ralph's, Ralph's really different. Yeah. But this is where the saints need to be equipped. You know, they need to know that if they don't know the answers, they can look at the catechism. Right. They need to know that if they're going to really speak out of a, re a living relation with the Lord, they need to pray. And that's where the 10-minute homily really helps right. them. It helps equip them for being a witness and, and being, a, being a disciple. Yeah, we, we know places to look that maybe most people don't know right away. Mm -hmm. um, we can help establish some good habits for people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then after that, it's it, then it's on each person to really be bold and yeah. share this. Yeah. But as, as a layperson, Father John, I have to say that if I wasn't encouraged to use my gifts or to embrace the implications of baptism in my life, of, of the call to holiness and the call to evangelization, if I didn't have encouragement and support from priests and bishops, it'd be really hard for me to do it. I, I, think, I think us lay people just really need to be told by priests and bishops that we are, we do have this right. call and we do have a mission and we are called to holiness and to, to, to open up to it, to embrace it, to become disciples. Yeah. I think the first step is, is just the, the knowledge of it. Just yeah, like we exactly. said, you know, the first step of discipleship is, wow, yeah. I didn't know I had to sign my life over. Yeah. So another thing that I need to know is the Lord expects me to tell people about him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I was baptized and I became a prophet. Yeah. Which means I'm supposed to speak on God's behalf. Yeah. He, he, he didn't come into my life and say the whole of creation so that I wouldn't share that. Right. So once I, I need to know that first, yeah. there's a lot of people who still don't know yeah. that. I thought this yeah. was private. Yeah. The culture tells me it's private. You want to have faith, fine, yeah. but don't talk yeah. about it. And Jesus says, hey, if you don't confess me before people, I'm not going to confess you before my father. You know. Not... And anyway, Father John, we're, we're nearing the end of the program. I, I want people to have the opportunity just to hear from you speaking directly to them, you know, and, and the people who are listening today and just whatever's on your heart that you'd like to kind of leave them with today. Yeah, you know what's on my heart is Matthew 5. So Matthew 5, verse 14, where Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. That's Jesus' words to you and to me right now. huh? So what's he mean by that? Well, uh, you're the light. How, how did you become the light? Well, he dwells in you, uh, and, and he hasn't lit you. Uh, he hasn't set you on fire. He hasn't placed himself within me so that I would hide. You know, no one takes a lamp and then puts it underneath the table. Why? Because that would be really foolish. Uh, not because the table would burn, because the whole purpose of illuminating something is so that it would shine. That's us. We're supposed to shine. Uh, the Lord expects us to shine. The culture needs us to shine, not to be rude or 
or brash or confrontational, but to be loving, to be kind, to be charitable, to be joyful, to be attractive, to live our lives in such a way so that he shines through us and people go, I want what you have, which is not uh, toys and things, but the relationship that we have with Jesus. He goes on to say, huh, no one uh, or that a city set on a hill cannot be hid. You build a city on a hill so that you can protect it, but you don't light up a city so that you can protect it. You light up a city so that those who are in the wilderness who are lost know where to find safety. And in our culture right now, that's really important. You and I are surrounded by people who are lost. They're looking for safety. Safety is going to come from knowing that they're created in the image and likeness of God, that they're loved, not because of what they do, but because of who they are, uh, that there's a community of people who will welcome them, who will care for them, who will treat them with honor and respect. That's, that's the Lord's expectation of us. Let's go do that. Let's do that this weekend at church in a particular way. Hey, thanks so much, Father John. God bless you and your ministry, your life, your future, your present, your past. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin.